Hey friends! <laughs> oh, I'm in a good mood. It's Thursday. Uh, I weighed... <laughs> do you remember what I said I was going to do? If I was 19.1 or more, I would uh, stop eating. If I was 19... If I was less than 19 stone one, I would eat. I was 19 stone and three quarters of a pound. <laughs> so that, that quarter of a pound which may well have been the poo I had before I got weighed. I ate, didn't I? I've had two pieces of Sarah's lemon uh, Rocky Road. It's like lemon meringue Rocky Road. Please do keep liking the page at The Curious Cake Shop on Instagram. That's going to be my sponsor from now on. Hey, friends, sponsored by The Curious Cake Shop on Instagram until someone comes along that actually is willing to pay me. Because at the minute, Sarah is not willing to pay me. Thank you, by the way, to everyone who liked her page yesterday. And uh, thank you to Paul DeBeck, who um, put the aubergine symbol and three squirts of water. <laughs> and thank you also to Bartholomew Simpson, uh, Bart Simpson indeed, who um, did something similar, but then deleted it and then just commented here from the podcast. Please let her know. Um, in case you're wondering, no, it did not work. I did not get, as they say, lucky. We had a kebab instead. <laughs> it's a wonder I only put a pound and a bit on. We did, we had kebab. To be honest, it wasn't that nice. It's from a place that we've had kebab before, but I think they've got two different chefs. And this one is not up to the task. So I just had a calzone, which as you know, I've talked about many times. And I always have pineapple in. But um, it was crap. It was not good. Sarah had uh, like a spicy donner, but she'd had it before and it was kind of this red like teakered meat. And this time it came and it was normal kebab. So... We're not really sure what's going on. Maybe we should have another one tonight and find out. <laughs> no, we shouldn't. But anyway, I've eaten, so I'm having chicken sandwiches, and um, I've had some Rocky Road. So that was that. Came downstairs this morning. Joshua loved Greg Gatsby, and he loved the clothes, and he especially liked Tobey Maguire's boater hat, so I bought him one. I think I told you that already, that I was going to buy him one. Well, anyway, it came. So I came down this morning, and he's sitting on the couch, in his full school uniform, but he's got the boater hat on as well. In case you don't know, and I'm sure you do, but a boater is one of those straw, very square hats um, with a kind of ribbon round it. The kind of hat you'd expect to see a barbershop quartet wearing. I think Dick Van Dyke wears one in Mary Poppins. Um, but anyway, I met Dick Van Dyke, but that's another story for another day. He came to see one of my shows. I know that sounds crazy. Well, he technically didn't come to see my show. He was at a place that I was performing and he saw my show, which is not exactly the same. But hey, it was a nice thing. Uh, I'll tell you that on another day. And Scarlett Johansson. That's a funny story. Um, yeah, so I came downstairs. He's wearing the boater um, and his uniform. And I see him and I go, morning, dude. And he goes, Morning, old sport. <laughs> Morning, old sport. Like uh, like he's in Gatsby. And he said to me, can I wear this to school today? And I said, oh, no, you really have to wear... Because obviously I know the truth of it is, if he wears that to school, he'll get eaten alive. I said, uh, no, you've really got to wear it with a suit. He said, well, let's get me a suit. <laughs> I said, oh, it's not the school uniform, is it? He said, well, maybe I could wear it on a non-uniform day. I'm thinking... I'm running out of ways here to tell you that if you wear that at school, you'll get punched in the face. You have to protect your kids from these things. <laughs> we shouldn't have to change our kids, should we? We should be able to change the world, but it is what it is. Maybe when he's a little bit older and he wants to wear that. Fair, fair enough. 
can wear what he wants. He does have a bit of a unique style when he's allowed to pick his own clothes. <laughs> he regularly comes down when we say we'll go into the shop with, you know, a fireman's helmet or whatever on. We usually just let him. What difference does it make? He's a kid, isn't he? So, um, yeah, it's good times. Um, I was going to tell you about a couple of things today. I know I said I was going to tell you about Saga. So I will. <clears throat> I remembered the word as well yesterday. Remember I told you that there was a word? Oh, fuck, I can't remember what the word yesterday was now. There was a word that they were saying that was pronounced wrong. And, oh, was it, it silhouette? Yeah. So I say silhouette, but sometimes people say silhouette. And I mentioned that there's a word that politicians always use. And I it always annoys me. When you say the word issues, you say issues. Even though there's two S's, you, you put a shirt, don't you? Issues. I-shoes. Politicians, they, all, they always say issues. There are many issues to deal with. And they pronounce the two S's. But everyone says, what's the issue? Not, what's the issue? <laughs> so that was the word that annoyed me. Is issues. Issues issues. The other thing that annoys me is people drinking tea. Obviously for our American friends, hot tea, not iced tea. If you say tea in England, everybody knows you mean tea, hot tea. Whereas if you say tea in America, I mean, um, Bart may correct me on this because he did correct me on the temperature thing, by the way. Um, let me just find his message. He told me the correct thing. I was slightly off. 32 degrees Fahrenheit is freezing, not 34. Um, yesterday, I incorrectly said it was 34, but it's 32. Um, anyway, in America, if you say you want tea, people think you mean iced tea, I believe. Here, they, they know you mean, they don't even consider that you mean iced tea, unless you say iced tea, and nobody drinks it because it's disgusting. But people drink hot tea. This is the thing I can't get my head around. If someone has a steak and it's a little bit salty, they'll think, oh, this steak's a bit salty. They might not mention it. If you have ice cream and it's a bit sweet, you might eat it, but you might not even mention it. If someone gives you a cup of hot tea and you don't normally have sugar and they've put sugar in, or vice versa, if you normally have sugar and they haven't put sugar in, for that person, it appears to render that drink entirely undrinkable. They go, oh, have you put sugar in this? Oh, it's disgusting. It's the same drink, it's just not quite as sweet, or it's a little bit too sweet. Or if they don't have sugar, oh my God, have you put sugar in this? Oh, I'm sorry. And they won't drink it. It. What the fuck is with that? It's nearly the same drink. It's only slightly different to the thing that you normally drink. And yet, it's undrinkable. That doesn't happen with any other thing. Any other drink that you like. If you have a vodka and coke, Oh, vodka's a bit strong. Don't worry, I'll, you know, do you want some more coke in? Nah, you're all right, I'll manage. Or this vodka's a weak, bit weak. Do you want some more vodka? Nah, it's cool. Or, you know, any any food at all, basically any food or drink is fine. But tea, if it's not right, it's shite. I don't mind. I'll drink tea with sugar in or without sugar in. I couldn't care less. But most people have this reaction with tea. If you're one of those people, you piss me off. <laughs> Sorry. Um, right, I told you I was going to tell you about Saga. The sa Well, I didn't tell you it was Saga, but it was Saga. The Saga Saga. The first time I ever did a cruise ship, it was November 2010. I was sitting in my living room in October, and my friend Andy Green got a call from his agent to say, can you do this ship? And Andy said, I'm sorry, I can't do it. Um, by the way, have you noticed I'm on time? I started recording at two o'clock. And I said I would. I'm back, baby. Um, 
Anyway, he said he couldn't do it, but he said, I'm sitting with a guy who'd love to do it, I reckon. So he puts me onto this agent and in a single phone call, because Andy had recommended me, I booked this cruise. That was how I first got my first cruise ship. Um, so I, I don't know anything about it. He says, you're going to fly out to Tobago and you're going to fly back from Barbados. I think, oh, lovely Caribbean. It gets to less than a week away and he says, I've messed up the booking a little bit. The cruise is still happening, but you're not flying to Tobago. You're actually flying to Togo. <laughs> and I said, as you would, where the fuck's Togo? Anyway, we both Google it simultaneously and we find out that Togo is in West Africa. Now, it turns out that to fly to Togo, you need a yellow fever injection and a yellow fever certificate. I did not have one. I had to get one within the week. Then as I look into it further, it turns out that in order for your yellow fever certificate to be valid, you have to, um, what's it called? You have to have it for 10 days. The little booklet that they give you, which classes as the certificate, isn't valid until 10 days after you have the injection, that's how long it takes, whatever they inject into you to make it into your body and become a viable medicine. So I think this is a bit of a problem. So I ring around some doctors, there's no solution. Then I finally ring a private clinic in Manchester and I explain the situation. And she says, just very simply, in a sort of mock James Bond villain Russian accent, just come at two o'clock, we take care of it. <laughs> Turn up at two o'clock. We take care of it. Do you expect me to get an injection? No, Mr. Bond. I expect you to die. Like that sort of vibe, yeah? So <laughs> I turn up to this place. I say, hi, I'm here for a yellow fever injection. She tells me to roll up my sleeve, gives me the injection over the counter in the reception and then asks my name. I mean, it's phenomenal. Uh, then she gives me the little booklet. Everything's filled in except for the date. The only thing that's not filled in is the date that I got the injection. So I filled it in myself uh, and I filled it in like a week earlier than it was. So it had just come into into pass um, as being valid by the time I was due to go on the ship. I mean, who knows if I could have died or not? I'd have probably got yellow fever. Who knows? As it turns out, it was all fine. <clears throat> and the 10 day thing is very, very precautionary. I had it within a week. So, you know, what's three days going to what's three days going to mean? Um, so I've got the certificate. All is good. I wish I hadn't. Let me get back to the story on what actually happens. So I fly out and I fly from England to Amsterdam, which is a hell of an airport. And then I fly from Amsterdam to another place in Africa where loads of people get off the uh, plane and then the plane takes off again. I've never had that happen before. Sort of like a taxi. Loads of people get off and... Then the plane takes off again about 20 minutes later and takes us to our final destination. Our final destination, which is uh, Togo, which, as I mentioned previously, is in West Africa. I get off the plane, I walk across the tarmac and, I, tarm, tarmac, tarmac, and I'm instantly struck by the heat. It's like 50 degrees Celsius. God knows what that is in Fahrenheit for our American friends. I'm going to look it up for you, though. Don't worry. I'm, uh, I'm Googling 50 celsius in fahrenheit 50 c in fahrenheit google understand that so it is um it's 122 degrees fahrenheit in west africa at night in december um 
So, yeah, ridiculous. I say it's like 50 degrees. It might have been 48, 47. I don't know. It was crazy hot. Um, we go into this little building, which weirdly has got pictures of the president of that country everywhere. It's a bit of a dictator state, like, you know, North Korea or whatever. Picture the president everywhere. You have to fill in all these forms. You get an ask for money, left, right and centre. You're not really sure what it's for. You leave that room and you head... Now, these same people that have basically just filled on all these forms with you, they let you go and then you walk to the baggage carousel, which has only got about eight bags on it because it's the middle of the night and there's barely any passengers. I get my two suitcases and I immediately get a hand on the shoulder. And the port agent is there as well. Now, the port agent is someone who's hired by cruise companies in other countries to look after people that fly in. So say you fly to... Um, What's it called? Say you fly to Greece and you're being taken to a ship which is an hour from the airport. A port agent will be hired to come and pick you up the night before, take you to a hotel, then come and pick you up the next morning, take you to the thing. And they're hired. They're all over the world, wherever there's port towns and cruise companies use them very regularly and they're called port agents. So he's there as well. So the port agent and I and these two security guards all go into this really small room and my case gets put up on a table and... They open it up and it's obviously got quite a lot of strange things in it. It's got an apron in it, which is covered in bloodstains. <laughs> but they're not real bloodstains. They're fake bloodstains because I'm doing this trick. This is 12 years ago now. Uh, no, 10 years ago, sorry. Um, which is like an, a wrist chopper where basically it's like you cut someone's wrist and you cut their hand off, but you don't really. And as I go to do the trick with the person, I say, oh, I'm sorry, I haven't got my apron. And I put my apron on, it's covered in bloodstains and it gets a big laugh. So there's a blood stained apron in there there's a wrist chopper there's all sorts of stuff which in fairness does not look like it should have been on a plane but it's in the hold you can put nearly anything in the hold but i won't admit to what i've put in the hold in the past because i'll probably get in trouble uh, not anything mad illegal like drugs or anything <laughs> or uh, weapons nothing like that but you know sometimes you need to get lighter fuel from one country to another and you, you know you make it work anyway so Bloodstained apron, wrist chopper, <laughs> all sorts of, imagine what a magician takes for a two-week gig with him. I mean, it's insane. So the case is full of all sorts of stuff. They start pulling it out and asking me what it is. Now, at one point, he asks me what something is, and I tell him it's a magic trick, and I reach out to show him. And at this point, he grabs my wrist, turns me about, and throws me face first into the wall. And once my face touches the wall, his uh, his forearm is across my back to push me into the wall. And at this point, five or six guns are drawn in this room by guards. One of them is pointing into the side of my head and the port agent I see move slowly out of the room entirely, escorted by another guard. Um, and I'm thinking, well, I'm about to die here. And I, I'm, I don't think I'd be remiss in admitting that a little bit of we came out. Just a little bit, just a little bit, just to wet your whistle, a little bit of wee came out. <laughs> but I didn't shit myself, which, as you know, for me, is very rare. So the whole situation goes insane. They go through my wallet. There's like $300 in there um, because I was told, always take American currency. It works everywhere. So I've got $300 in my wallet. The security guard takes that out of my wallet, closes the wallet, puts it back. They take me into this room. They're asking me all these questions. They tell me to take my clothes off. I take my clothes off. One of them comes in with a rubber glove on. I get a fully blown finger up the arse. I mean, I wasn't fully blown. Nobody blew me. 
<laughs> I didn't get blown, which was a shame because the finger in the arse, I was two thirds of the way there. It would have only taken a very light touch and I would have been, you know, well, we'll save that for another day. But uh, <laughs> oh, fuck's sake, why do I tell these stories? <laughs> these things should be kept secret. So anyway, I get a full on finger up the arse and I'm left in there basically naked for about 20 minutes after. Then they come in, they put my clothes on the table, tell me to get dressed. I get dressed, no idea what's happening. I go back in the other room and my case is closed and everything. And they tell me to fuck off, basically. Get out of here. So I leave. The poor agent's there and he's out in the foyer. Um, This story is going to have to be split into two parts because it gets quite a lot worse. How could it get worse than a finger up the arse? I know you're wondering. Well, you'll find out in part two. Uh, I'll tell you this. I'll tell you part two of the story tomorrow. There you go. All right. Bye, friends.